0: Welcome, my Chicana and Latina Moms. This space has been created only for you, solo para nosotras, Chicanas and Latina Moms. In these episodes that I share with you, I talk about self-care and self-love and how to empower your being. You are not alone, and this is a revolucion. We will continue to fight. Fight for what is right for our being starting with our own mental health, to be able to help and inspire those in need, starting with ourselves, our kids, our family, our community. I hope you enjoy all of these episodes that I record for you with all of my corazón para todas mis hermanas, chicanas, and latina moms. Hey, my Chicana and Latina sisters, please do not forget to leave a review and give me your feedback. I would really appreciate it. This also helps other new listeners know what we're about. Gracias. Hola, Dr. Gracias por estar aquí um, y hacer este tiempo. Thank you so much for being here and so that our listeners can know about you tell us about yourself
1: well um well first of all thank you so much for having me i'm really excited to be you know here with you and your audience today and um who am i um uh, my name is yvette martinez Bu. i usually say i'm like a first gen chicana and usually i also say a Ph.D. mother scholar, I am originally from the southern California area, so I was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley for folks who know that area and. Um, raised by a single mom with six kids and I was the first in my family to go to college so first generation in the US and then first gen in college. And, um, my path was not a very like straightforward path, even in going to college. When I arrived college, I didn't know what to major in. I didn't really know about my options. Initially I wanted to major. I was like, it's either going to be English, math, or neuroscience. And none of them made any sense. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just math always came easy to me. English. I liked, I've had one teacher who was a really nice teacher who believed in me, even though I always struggled in English because of my ESL background. Spanish was my first language, but I was interested in it. I liked reading, um, didn't like the writing as much. And then um, neuroscience is because my dad actually passed away when I was 12 years old of a sudden brain aneurysm. Like from one day to the next, he collapsed. We had no idea. Um, so I wanted to learn more about the brain and how it worked and like why it happened and all of that and then I took one neuroscience class in college and I was like nope (laughs) (laughs) you're like never mind (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then math as it got more advanced I was like yeah it's kind of like it's not for me so I stuck to English not knowing other options and honestly I didn't love English Um, what I did love was theater, like of all things, like I grew up and we were like working class, like you know, even border borderline like poor growing up. And when my dad was around, it was an abusive background, like household. And so my escape as a child was being in theater. I was in theater clubs, I was in drama club, I, was, I, I would act. And so I continued that on in college. That was where my passion was, was in acting. And so I did that as a theater minor, and then I was also in in different performances in college. But then I applied for a fellowship program called the Mellon Mays Undergraduate Fellowship that prepares um, like first-generation, underrepresented students to go into um, becoming a professor and to diversify higher education. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I'm set. I'm gonna become a theater professor. That's gonna be my career yeah and um and so I I decided to apply that's kind of how I went into my doctoral program and I'll I'll share more about my story but like when I went into grad school there were a couple of key things that happened that completely changed my life the first one was I developed a chronic illness in 2011 just a lot of issues with like my tummy issues and migraines and just um just a bunch of health issues uh, that just kind of imploded with burnout and me having a breakdown and realizing I was doing too much and needed to slow down. So that was 2011. And then in 2013, I had my son. So my partner, then, you know, at, at that point, we were already married, we decided to try for a baby. And I had no idea, like I was not <laughs> physically or mentally prepared because I actually suffered complications with my pregnancy and with my child, with oh, the birth of my child, I, I hemorrhaged, I lost three liters of blood. I had to have a bunch of procedures to save my life. And then after that, my body was not the same again. And I, I struggled with postpartum depression and I'm very open about it because it was a really, really rough time for me. And it was a combination of therapy and medication, um, having support, even getting uh, childcare, part time working to be able to afford part time childcare. All of that helped me to get better. Um, so it was that it was it was the chronic illness. It was having my child, and then realizing academia is kind of a lot. You know, it's it's a very like white supremacist, classist, racist, sexist space, and. And so near the end of my grad school journey, I decided I don't know that I want to do this anymore. I want to do something different. So that's kind of what started me on my path of like not becoming a professor, but then working in student support services. So I helped other students apply to grad school and um, get into top programs through my post PhD um, employment. And then last year was actually when I said, you know what, I think I'm going to leave hire it all together and move my family abroad and start my own business doing what I've been doing helping to support first-gen students of color Um, and that's what I've been doing since then
0: yeah Yeah. okay wow okay so you mentioned you decided to move oh
1: my gosh (laughs) You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a quick, oh, I'm just going to move abroad. I am not that person. I am not even someone that has traveled a lot. Travels really hard for me and my body. And it's also expensive. I mean, or at least I was under the impression that it was very expensive. And uh, now I'm realizing if you want to travel, there are ways to travel on a budget. Yeah. But anyway, it all started with, you um, me breaking down like reaching a low point during the pandemic of I had had my second child so I decided to try for a second child got pregnant had, um, I was pregnant all of 2020 had her near the end of 2020 oh, Wow. And so it, this was 2021 when I broke down it was Mexican Mother's Day it was May 10th 2021 that was the day that I realized like I can't do this anymore I need to do something else I need to move I don't know where we're gonna move but we need to move And so my husband and I started talking about, is there a possibility for us to live off of one income or for me to take a break, temporary break? Because this is too much. I was, you know, breastfeeding my daughter and then working full-time and homeschooling my son and dealing with um, my chronic health flare-ups. It was just too much. I was working all day and all night and hardly really like having quality time with my family. Um, so it became too much, and so it was in thinking about where could we afford to move where I don't have to work as much, um, that was when we thought, okay, maybe we can't afford to stay in California, and so we started thinking about moving out of state, but then I was thinking about health care and how that's a big need for me and for my family, because my husband is disabled, too. Um, and so he has his own set of health issues too. So with that in mind, we started thinking, maybe we could try for moving. We've always considered moving out of state, but we were like, what if we try to move out abroad? Like, what if not we move to a country where they provide healthcare, like affordable, accessible healthcare. And so we started hopping like countries in our head, like with our checklist of like, what are our needs? Yeah. And so in, in hopping countries, there was, it's always something that I thought mm, I don't know about that mm, it's too cold mm, it's too hot mm, it's not diverse enough mm, that language is going to be way too hard for me to learn mm, the healthcare is not great you know it's like always something yeah. and then we landed somehow on Portugal and I was like wow it actually like ticks the boxes I've never been there but it sounds like a like a great option for us so um, it's the third safest country as you know, a pretty good education system, affordable and um, actually universal healthcare. So oh, you awesome. don't have to have private insurance, it's encouraged, but you don't have to. Um, everybody's afforded kind of the, the public healthcare system. Yeah. And so with, with that, and I was like, oh, my kids will learn another language, how cool is that? So all those things, all those factors, um, and then the cost of living was a huge one. It's It's a awesome. lower cost of living for us as Californians, it's not, it's not low cost of living for locals here, which is unfortunate. It is getting to be very expensive for the locals here just because of their salaries being low. But for us, it's a little more affordable. Um, and so we decided to take the leap. And after making that decision in May that month, six months later, we landed in Portugal. <laughs> so that's how quick, you know, it's like your life can change when you make a decision and, and you uh, commit. And where's your husband from? Um, well, he's actually from the same area, from the San Fernando Valley. Um, we, we were just like a couple of cities away growing up. We didn't meet until college, but we lived in the similar area. But he's actually um, Vietnamese American. So his family is from Vietnam, um, but also first and also... Um, you know, Child of Immigrants, all of that, yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think that helped a lot, you know, um, with that decision? Because if Chicano, si he would have been like, ah, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: You know, my my mom loves him. She's like, "Hija, él nunca te dice no. él cumple todos sus deseos." And I was like, "Actually, mom, now that you put it that way, I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, he's never said no to any of my propositions. So long as I can, like." justify it and make an argument and like support it which I can I mean come on now with my PhD I can I can support my claims he's just like oh that makes sense okay let's do it you know yeah
0: that's so cool oh my gosh it's been how long then like a year
1: no no it actually has only been like seven months now or six seven months it hasn't been that long it feels a little longer but it, it hasn't been that long
0: so you guys are planning to like, to stay out there until the kids get older or okay, are you getting homesick?
1: Or You know what? Um, I am not sure. So <laughs> we moved here thinking, you know what, we're going to test it out, test the waters okay. and try it out for at least a year. And if we don't like it, we'll move back. But we did apply for our residency so we can stay here for two up to two years and then we can renew it. And if we like it after two years, we'll renew it. And then after the, at the five-year mark, you actually are eligible to apply for your citizenship.
0: Oh. So we'll be
1: eligible to become Portuguese citizens, which then means we are European citizens, which means we have access to moving and living in the, in Europe. So any other European country, and that would then give our kids access to the EU and also the schooling system in Europe which like blows my mind because I'm like oh they're gonna have way more options than I ever did as a child yeah that is so cool so (laughs) no sabemos we're just kind of playing it by right now we are enjoying our time um if it gets to be too difficult I think it'll be my decision more than my husband because he's loving it here Um, Uh but I'm the one that's more attached to family than he is so I'm the one that's started to feel a little bit homesick I'm not gonna lie but not not home like the location but just it's the people yeah yeah,
0: yeah. I mean I'm sure that at some point you can go back visit and then
1: yes <laughs> yes
0: yeah oh that is so good so I guess um you know I know you have your doctorate degree so who inspired you like tell us about that because that's Interesting. i've always had that person in me and i'm just like oh my god there's so much work i'm gonna be so drained like is it worth it like and i'm sure i'm not alone like can you share a little bit about that and i mean what, what you can share with us oh my
1: goodness so who inspired me i think that the person that and not surprising that has inspired me throughout my entire journey is my mom my mom You know, my dad passed away. Suddenly she was left with six kids uh, to support financially by herself. She has her own little business, a little botanica. And I have seen how she has supported us with her own little business since then. And it's still afloat to this day. And my mom, her strength, like now as an immigrant mom, myself, I'm, you know, as a mom of two, having to deal with the language barrier. I don't know Portuguese. I, I understand some of it, but I, I don't speak it fluently. Yeah. Um, I have a deep like respect and admiration for my mom. Like I never even, I think had realized before. So I've, I've always looked up to her and her hard work and, and just her always being supportive of anything I did. Like I could have majored in, I don't know, in arts and crafts or sewing or whatever. And she would have been supportive. My mom was always like, you know, Mija, I know you're smart, like do whatever you wanna do. I know you'll be successful. And so that's kind of what kept me going was just um, in college, Not. I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about my job options after college. So I was like, well, what am I gonna do with a bachelor's degree in English? Like everybody I knew um, that wasn't in, in, in some sort of engineering or technical type of degree was working, um, just like going back home and working retail working at a coffee shop or whatnot. And I didn't feel like I had that option because there was no room at my mom's home for me to move back. So I was the first to also move out of my mom's house. Um, and so without that I thought okay what's the next best thing I'm a good student I have always done very well I can live off of my scholarships or fellowship. And I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. So it was actually through the support of mentors in college that I was able to pursue the PhD. And I I shifted from English to theater and performance studies. So my PhD is actually in theater, which is funny because I didn't do any performing in grad school. I studied theater. (laughs) And um, I realized I was like, I like studying it, but I also like like working with people and I like being kind of out in the public like my favorite part was you know oddly enough like presenting so presenting my work and connecting with others Um, so yeah that the my my biggest I guess inspiration was my mom but then the support was through the support of programs in college and through my mentors that I continued I didn't really like know 100% what I got myself into which is why I'm so passionate about demystifying and like sharing the good, the bad, the ugly about college and grad school is because I I just went in kind of sight unseen and then was like what the hell did I get myself into (laughs) in this PhD program? All these people are speaking another language like they're using very big words and quoting all these fancy scholars and I'm like who are these people like I, I was like constantly googling and looking up acronyms and looking up words and I was so out of place but I realized, I was like, actually, like, if I was able to navigate this, and I finished, like, I could probably do anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's so much work, right, and there's a lot of um, sacrifices, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and I'm glad you see, you know, our, our parents, right, immigrate to this country, so definitely that desire to thrive, right, like, we saw their struggles and now it's como okay okay I see it okay I'm gonna take it and run with it and continuing to implement knowledge right in our lives like you said you want to share yeah. of your journey with so many of uh, people in our community right first generation that I mean I consider myself one definitely like navigating financial aid like what the heck I'm oh my
1: gosh yes
0: yeah, my mom did not want to give me no information. I
1: made so many mistakes. My mom did not give me money either.
0: Go me those taxes <laughs> and miss taxes. No, 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 no. no <laughs>
1: so money.
0: But okay. So it, it's your mom. Your mom, the one that inspired you, definitely. And I'm sure your dad would have, you know. Um,
1: yeah, my dad, you know what? Like, um, as much as like he was a very complicated figure in my life in terms of like because he was, he was abusive, but also I know he struggled with his mental health. Like now as someone who can see it from another perspective, he struggled with his mental health, but he was also very adamant and like prioritized our education. Like we had to have straight A's. He would show up to parent teacher conferences. He'd show up to any educational thing. And so that's one thing that like I take from him to this day is like, yeah. I am involved okay. in my kids and their schooling and their education and I show up to things as best I can because I know that that meant a lot to me growing yeah, exactly. up yeah
0: That's really nice because a, a lot of fathers sometimes not that they don't want to but they're always working they don't show up to any of that you know mm-hmm. and um like you said right our parents are not perfect built with they did what they thought was best at that
1: time Yeah they did they really did
0: Yeah so um,
1: tell us about the Chicana mother work. Oh my gosh. So Chicana mother work, uh, th- those are my comadres. So I'll, I, I'll tell you kind of the, the story behind how we came together as a collective. So we are a collective of five Chicanas who are also academics. So all of us um, have our PhDs and we uh, focus on, writing and sharing and publishing and like presenting, just basically sharing knowledge about the experiences of Chicanas and mothers of color in academia. So, you know, all the struggles and the things that keep us going. We got together as a collective in, what year was it, 2014, I think. Um, One of my friends, so she um, she was a mom herself. She read this article called um something uh, about like n- navigating the terrains of chicana single motherhood in academia mm-hmm. and we're like what a chicana single mama and, like as a, she's a professor like who is this person Have we read we read the article and we heard a, where she talks about her own experiences. Yeah. And that testimony was so powerful that we're like, oh my gosh, we have to meet this mujer. Mm-hmm. And so we emailed her, kind of like thinking, oh, she might not even get back to us. She might like ignore us. Like, well, who is she? Like, she's going to be like, who are you, these grad students? Yeah. And we asked her if she wanted to be on a panel so we could present on the topic of being a mother of color in academia. And she said yes, and we're like, what? And so during that time, um, we needed two more speakers, Uh and I was um, a a grad student at UCLA, and usually I was always in like the north side of campus, which is where like all the social science and humanities people hang out. South side is like the STEM people. So that day, I randomly, I was pregnant at the time, and I was, I randomly decided maybe I had a craving. I don't know. I was like, I'm gonna go eat over there. And so I sat. I sat down. I was just eating my lunch, wearing my cute earrings and like a little red, like rollie bag. And this other Chicana approaches me, and she's like, "Oh, I love your earrings, and I love your bag. Where'd you get it?" And then we start talking. And then she's like, oh, blah, 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 I'm a Chicana from the Valley. I was like, what? I'm a Chicana from the Valley. Ah, blah, blah, blah. blah." Like I'm pregnant and in November. What? I like, I stand up and I'm like, I'm pregnant because sitting down, she couldn't see my belly. So I stand up all of a sudden, she sees my belly. And I was like, how, how are two Chicanas like in this part of campus meeting for the first time? So I invited her, and then she invited her friend, and that became the collective. We realized in presenting on Mothers of Color in Academia, we were all, we realized we're all Chicanas, we're all first gen, you know, we all um, are daughters of immigrants. We had a lot of similar kind of backstories. And we started to just write our testimonials and share our testimonials and present on them, and people would relate. Like at that time, not a lot of people were talking about what it's like to be um you know uh, a mom in college or in grad school or as a professor and social media wasn't as big so there weren't a lot of testimonials out there on those experiences and so we started doing that work then in 2014 2013-2014 and since then we've kind of just like we continue to do the work we published an anthology um, in 2019, and now we're kind of brainstorming. We're thinking about possibly our next project might be a, a kids' book. Um, we've been wanting to do that, so we're kind of slowly trying to get back into the groove of things with COVID and everything. We've just mostly been supporting each other uh, as comadres. and now we're kind of I think we're we're ready for the next stage, which might be another book, I mean, hopefully a kids' book. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: so good. I saw the title. I love it. The Chicana mother with anthology because sin madres no hay revolucion that yes.
1: is so
0: powerful <laughs> <laughs> is so true
1: yeah you know what there's this um chicana latina uh, anthology about like the history of chicana latinas in the u.s and in the cover there's this cover of like these chicana activists uh-huh. and then what this one one of my friends looked up that image and the actual image is a cropped out image. There's actually a baby in the image. There's like someone holding a baby, but that part of the image was cropped. And we're like, <gasps> and like, it just reminds us of how, like in a lot of social movements, it's at the forefront, there have been a lot of moms and there's been a oh. lot of like gendered labor. And that doesn't always get like right. seen. Yeah. yeah. That is so true. Yeah.
0: Because it's, you know, some leonas. you know, when it comes to our, To our kids and definitely that is so good and now obviously you you shared you like to share your journey so can you tell us about your podcast.
1: Oh yeah. So, um, well, my podcast, and it's funny because Chicana Motherwork um, is a podcast too. We've been kind of like <laughs> a little silent lately, but we have a podcast too, the Chicana Motherwork podcast. And that's actually how I learned about podcasting was through that, through Chicana Motherwork. But my podcast, I started in 2019. or 2000, yeah, I think it was 2019. It's called Grad School Femme Touring. So at the time I was the Um, assistant director of the McNair Scholars Program at UC Santa Barbara. And so in my role, I would guide and advise students as they were preparing for mostly PhD programs, so combination of master's and PhD programs. And I noticed that there were a lot of students who were coming to me asking me the same things like, how do you ask for a letter of reg? Or how do you apply to this program? Or like, what do you do if this situation happens? And I kept repeating myself. And then at some point, folks were asking me to be their mentor, their femtor. And and I thought like, there's gotta be a way for me to share this information and make it accessible. So that's not just my students that get it because they're amazing, but also this information should be shared more widely. So I decided I was just messing around because at the time Chicana Motherwork were like, let's try to figure out if there's a better way to record. And I was trying to look up better apps and I ran into the Anchor app and that's what I use for my platform. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. If I had a podcast, what would it be? I was like, well, I I can talk all day about grad school. And then I was like, and I'm a femtor. I'm a feminist mentor. So grad school femtor, that's what I'm going to call it. So it was just like, I wasn't even thinking much about it. And I started to just record on the most frequently asked topics. Um, and uh, at that time it was related to applying to grad school, but now it's you know, a wide range of anything related to supporting first-gen students of color in applying and also successfully navigating. So I, I like to include topics related to financial literacy and self-care and career options and um, productivity tips getting organized writing tips so it's it's a little bit of of everything related to grad school and I I bring in a lot of really amazing guest speakers too yeah
0: that is so awesome you know when you first send me information I was like boring I was like I've never heard of that and I'm like oh meant oh, okay <laughs> oh. yeah I was like that is so cool I love it definitely and it's- like you said, it's definitely needed, you know, the, the ongoing same questions, right. And when we even share it with our own, the same Spanish or vocab, it definitely kind of clicks a little like different sometimes. Right. So yeah, it's my
1: favorite part of like what I do, because I get to connect with so many amazing individuals and I get to share everything that I learn. I mean, I'm a big nerd when it comes to like, personal professional development and so as I learn, I love to share all that stuff all the things that I'm like oh, I wish somebody would have told me this I just put it out there all <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is really nice thank you for creating that space because um, it's needed for sure. well
1: same to you with this podcast I mean when we started podcasting I I've not seen any Chicana Latina podcast, so this is a big deal—is to have this podcast. And you've had it for a few years too, right? Yeah, uh, like four. Yeah. See, that's been an OG. I, no <laughs> I
0: love. I yeah. love. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: No, oh, thank you. So, I guess you know to kind of get to close this. What advice would you give to those moms? who want to go
1: back to school, pero como que fue, están pensando mucho because they doubt themselves. Oh my goodness. So one, I have a lot of things that I can say for folks who, you know, mamas who wanna go back to school. Yeah. Uh, one, one is don't tell yourself no. Like don't be the one to tell yourself no. You think I'm not gonna get in, I'm never gonna get in. I've seen people with all kinds of GPAs, little to no research experience, terrible test scores, get in and how is it that they do is because they learn about the process of like, how you know, any anything you need, you can listen to my podcast. I have a, okay. The topic is covered. Like, how do you write a statement of purpose? You can do it, but let, let someone else say no. Like you will never know if you're gonna get in if you don't try. So first of all, like let other people say no to you. Don't be the one to say no to yourself. Mm-hmm. Two, like, I always tell this to myself is no means next. If for some reason you apply and you don't get in, that means that you're being redirected to another opportunity and there will be a program that's a good fit for you no matter your circumstances. So if you really wanna go to grad school, I would encourage you to like not give up and to connect, to start to network with folks. reach out to people, whether you know them, or it could be a cold call, you could not know them, look them up on LinkedIn, folks who are in the program that you're interested in, and and meet with them, ask them what their experience is like, what advice they have for you. Sometimes they're even willing to look over your materials. And then you should also do informational interviews. So that's when you reach out to people in your career of choice who are doing like your dream job, ask them if they have 15, 30 minutes of their time for you to ask, you know, how did they get to that position? Like, what is a day in the life? Sometimes you think you wanna pursue something and then you realize like what it's actually like (laughs) day in and day out. And you can ask them like, what's your favorite part of your job? What's your least favorite part of your job? And maybe you might realize actually, I kinda don't wanna do that anymore. And so I would say, yeah, network, um, do the informational interviews, like um, meet with folks in that program. And then little by little, like in doing that, you'll you'll get referred to other people to talk to, you'll get advice, you'll get people who are willing to help you and support you. And it's those baby steps. It's like getting in the habit of like consistently working on your dream and not letting one know or one person who doesn't want to meet with you or one rejection or whatever it is like don't let that one thing get in the way just like keep little by little working on it before you know it you're gonna be in a program you're gonna finish a program you're gonna be applying for jobs you're gonna be getting a job and um, hopefully getting closer to living a life that like is aligned with with your values and with your dreams and goals yeah
0: yeah. Oh, I like what you said. No means next, right? Yes. That's
1: right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that
0: is so good. Well, thank you, for event for making the time, and I hope you can come back soon. Definitely. And wish you all the best in all you do on the Hasta Alla de Lejos, donde (laughs) estas?
1: And hope maybe see you over here one day. (laughs) I know. Well, I have to come visit. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Chicana and Latina Moms, for listening. And stay tuned for more. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you so much for tuning in to Chicana and Latina Moms Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Chicana underscore Latina Moms Podcast. And also, don't forget to leave a review. Gracias.